Good morning, Senior Pastor. Peace be unto you. Good morning, Pastor Ho. Peace be unto you, and may the Holy Spirit fill us today as we impart this lesson. What? Amen. Amen. And such a fitting lesson it is for our world today. Just a reminder to some, or maybe an introduction to others, that the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to be witnesses of Christ to the world. Um, we are acknowledging that it is God's will for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a Spirit-filled life. And we're going to get into that. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? Uh, so we're going to get into that. Um, there are three uh, sections uh, filled with the Spirit, Spirit-filled living, Spirit-filled unity and service. And uh, maybe out of all of them, I think uh, the third section is going to be that which we can gravitate to, Spirit-filled unity and service. Uh, so not only are we called to live Spirit-filled spirit lives, but we are called to Spirit-filled unity and Spirit-filled service. So uh, we have quite a bit to get into, and uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide this lesson because I think this is one of the most important lessons that we will ever teach. Um, it is that important. That Acts 2 experience um, in the upper room, uh, we pray that it now come to us again, uh, so that we all can be filled with the Spirit and speak in new tongues. Speak in tongues that are familiar or unfamiliar um, to the hearers. Uh, so we, we pray to this end that God will uh, take charge of this lesson and that someone will get something from it. Uh, the specific objective of this lesson is to acknowledge that it is God's will for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a Spirit-filled life. Now, I am cognizant, and we are cognizant, of, of the fact that there are varying interpretations on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you go from denomination to denomination, uh, different subsects of Christianity, uh, you may hear varying interpretations on who the Holy Spirit is or was and what the Holy Spirit did or is doing. Um, but we believe the Holy Spirit is very much active and present in our world. We believe that he continues to speak and work in the life of every believer. We also believe he is the third person of the triune Godhead and that he serves as our paraclete. You'll hear that word paraclete, meaning or advocate or, or counselor. Um, the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to be witnesses of Christ to the world. So we will unpack how he does this as we go through this lesson. Now, since this is Pentecost Sunday, it is helpful to understand the background of Pentecost with its origin in Judaism. 
Uh, Pentecost is a feast observed 50 days after the Passover. Devout Jews believe this day marks the anniversary of God's giving the law. They carefully review the Torah or the Pentateuch and may stay up all night in order to do so. In the New Testament era of the early church, Pentecost is the day when the promised comforter descends on the gathered disciples. Obediently, they have been waiting for 10 days. During this time, prayer and unity prevail. Then they experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Immediately, the church grows as 3,000 come to faith in Christ, initiating a new era of spirit-filled living. Notice the difference between devout Jews of today and the Christians of today. The Jews carefully review the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, also referred to as the Pentateuch, even staying up all night to do so. Christians tend to focus more on the experiential, uh, which gave rise to Pentecostalism dating back as far as the late 1800s. We can break down Pentecostalism into three basic developments in modern history. Uh, the first, the birth of the Pentecostal movement or the awakening or Pentecostalism in the early 1900s. The second, the charismatic movement in the 1960s and 1970s, which affected mainstream denominations like the Anglican and Roman Catholic churches. And then the third, the evangelical movement or evangelicalism of the 1980s, which have similarities and differences between Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement. And I'll just leave it at that if you want to continue your study on these three movements, uh, especially as they apply to us today, you can go ahead and do so. Uh, though there are varying interpretations of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, one thing remains true. Acts 2 happened. And there is no denying that the Holy Spirit is real. Let me say that again. Though there are varying interpretations of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, one thing remains true. Acts 2 happened, and there is no denying that the Holy Spirit is real. Now, while studying this lesson, pay attention to the diverse areas in which the spirit-filled life can make a difference. It ranges from skills to community to worship. No dimension of our lives is to be separated from the impact of the Holy Spirit. So, without any further ado, we're going to get into filled with the Spirit, that section, um, because that's where it all begins. It all begins with being filled with the Spirit. Senior Pastor, take over. Amen. And as Pastor O said, that we should pay attention um, to those who have not yet received this promise of the Father, for those who have Him, because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. That's why we said Him. Um, and those who might have had him some time ago, but you are dry. It's a good time. As you listen 
as we teach, as we dialogue, that you just pray to the Father. If you have not yet received this promise, that he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and Jamaica, they used to stand with fire because it was fire that sat upon their head. And those who need to stir up the gift, that you will do so. So pay attention. Filled with the Spirit. What an experience. What a joy. What a gift that was given unto them to be filled with his Spirit. And beginning with the elders, starting with the elders, Numbers 11, 24 to 29. The book says, And the Lord came down in a cloud as he did back then. Today, don't necessarily that he comes in a cloud, but he speaks to us through his servants, through his son Jesus Christ. The Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, Moses and took up the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Yes, something took place when the spirit rested upon them. They prophesied and they did not stop. They did not cease. Verse 27, and there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad, do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. Stop them, Moses. Don't let them do this. And Moses said unto him, Enviest thou for my sake? Would God... In other words, I would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Joel talk about that. We find it very difficult, some of us do, to realize the heavy load of leadership Moses bears as Israel progresses towards the promised land. And we find it difficult in today's society, in today's world, and today's church to realize the every burden that the leader carries. Regardless of God's miraculous provision, the people repeatedly lapsed into complaining. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were always complaining. Often they directed as a personal attack against Moses. The people's griping over their continuous diet of manna finally becomes too much for him. And Moses pours out his frustration to God. And I like to pause there. Are you doing things that is causing frustration to God's leader, to the person that the Lord has said to lead you? Because what I find out Pastor O, is that people don't understand the burden of leadership. They don't understand how lonely it gets sometimes. How difficult it is trying to do the will of God 
and people always complaining. People are not listening. People are not getting saved. People are not paying attention to the message. They are not doing their biblical responsibility. Very difficult to understand the burden of leadership. You don't know the sleepless nights that a leader has sometimes. You don't know that when you're sleeping, the leader's in bed, sometime up at the table, sometime wide awake, looking through the ceiling, praying for you, praying that God will give him a word, praying that God will give him the anointing to tell you what he wants you to know. You don't understand. Leaders are trampled on, lied on, misunderstood, misinterpreted. Let me say that again. We are trampled on, lied on, misunderstood, misinterpreted. And um, I dare say I'll be the first to admit that we do make mistakes. And I, I myself and Pastor Rose and Pastor Whitehall was talking last night on the phone and we were talking about that, how so people don't understand that we are human like anybody else and we make mistakes. And the mistake, we, while you rejoice over your mistake and you just brush it off, we go to God and pour out our soul to him and ask him to help us. So we are misunderstood. We are used as floor mats. People walk on us. Amen. There's nobody to encourage you sometime. And that's what was happening in Israel. They were griping. God had moved them out of the situation that they cried about when they were in Israel. Breaking the stone, mixing the matter. And um, how they were ill-treated. They complained. And as Pastor one myself was talking in the week, Moses had, had done wrong committed murder, had to run, moved on with his life, was doing what he wanted to do, and he was the one that God appeared to and said, come Moses, rescue them. I want you to go to Pharaoh and, and note where he sent him, to Pharaoh. After all that he had moved on from doing what he had to do from doing the command that the Lord do for him. The Lord said, no, 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 no. You're coming right back. Go to fear. Moses said, I can't talk. The Lord said, take care of that long time. And that's where he was sent. And he rescued them after how many plagues were sent upon them. And Moses' heart, um, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And... Um, Pharaoh decided to let them go, but afterwards he said, no, I'm going to go after them. I'm going to pursue them. And now God took them to the Red Sea, and um, while they were journeying the Lord, they saw Pharaoh's host coming behind. They saw rocks on either side, and they started to complain to Moses. It's better if we had stayed down in Egypt, the same place that they were complaining about, and God rescued them from that. But God miraculously Use Moses to use the rod, divided the Red Sea, they crossed over on dry land. Pharaoh and his host was um, drowned in the Red Sea. And here they're traveling, but they continue to complain. 
Oh, not enough food. Water, there is the water. And God sent manna from heaven, and that still not satisfied them. A bunch of complainers. And what they don't realize is that Moses, they were, when they attacked Moses, they were attacking God. And um, Moses was frustrated. Leaders get frustrated sometimes. But thank God that he holds us in the palm of his hand. Moses feels God had placed too great a burden on him. He didn't choose this position for himself. God called him. And the people's attitude and action make it similar to a father needing to carry a nursing child. So they complain there's not enough meat available to satisfy their appetite. Amen. So Moses says, Lord, I can't carry out this task alone. It's better for me to die. That was more desirable to him than to continue on this part. But God does not deal specifically with Moses in terms of what he feels or states. Instead, he gives Moses the plan of action to alleviate the distress. And um, sometimes we are saying some things to you and you don't understand that it's coming from God although we are trying to tell you. He gave him a plan of action. First, he is to gather the leaders of Israel and have them stand at the tabernacle. Secondly, the Lord will take some of the spiritual anointing which covers Moses and put it on the elders. Third, the spirit upon the elders will enable them to share in the burden of leadership. That's why we have leaders. Not everybody can be the pastor, but we have leaders. We have ministers and deacons and um, deaconesses and so on. Fourth, the people have to sanctify themselves in preparation for divine provision. Fifth, God will provide meat which will last a whole month. So everybody was involved in it, not just the, the, the leader, but everybody got to be involved. Wouldn't it be encouraging to the leaders if you would say a kind word? God's anointed leaders are a different kettle of fish. And I wouldn't I wouldn't I would encourage you or wouldn't encourage you to take up leadership if you're not called. Leaders God's leaders are a different kettle of fish. The Lord knows when to suck them, the Lord knows when to keep them, the Lord knows when to cover them. And Pastor and Arthur Francis Chan said churches must bring sacredness back to the worship as increasing numbers abandon Christianity. Oh, yes, they do. We are seeing it in today's world. Look at the evangelical churches. What they do. They are becoming, some are becoming absolute joke to the world by what they do. They compromise on everything. Oh, I encourage you, my friends, to pray for God's leaders. They have a heavy responsibility. 
they have a heavy task. Moses himself did not even make it to the promised land because of the people. And that was one thing I determined in my heart, that I wasn't going to be that kind of person that people are going to keep me out of heaven. So sometimes, yes, we get a little bit stubborn. Sometimes, yes, we don't listen because we're hearing from God. And unless it matches with what the book says and what the Spirit says, then we're going to have a problem. So when the elders of Israel gather with Moses at the tabernacle, they are given the Holy Spirit, just as it was upon their leader. Notice, there is a verbal sign of discovering. They prophesy. And um, the initial sign of one receiving the Holy Spirit is that you speak another language. But it's not only speaking in tongue where you get the Holy Ghost. It's to do service. It's to do work for the Lord. Because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit prompts you. The Holy Spirit ignites you. So if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're not doing anything, you better watch it. You better stir up the gift that is in you. Two of the men listed as elders, Eldad and Medad, do not join the others at the tabernacle. And listen to this for some good reason. They are still in the camp when the Holy Spirit was given. However, that doesn't matter. They receive him where they are and begin to prophesy. You don't have to be at church to receive the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be in a revival service. You don't have to be in a celebration service to receive the Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. You can pray right by your bedside. I've had many in my um, tenure who came and said, I was praying faster, and this is what happened, and I don't know. And I, I, I was speaking something that I don't understand. And I said, that was the Holy Ghost. The Lord don't have to do things the way we want it or the way we say it. He does it the way he wants to do it. So they were not in the camp at that time, but they got the Holy Ghost. They receive him where they are. And they begin to prophesy. Note that. They receive him and they began to prophesy. A messenger ran to Moses with this information. Oh, was Joshua the right hand of Moses misunderstand or misinterpret what is taking place? Um, there's always somebody eh, who don't understand. He sees it as being out of order or possible insubordination to Moses' leadership. In any case, he said to Moses, stop them. Moses' reply indicates his mature grasp of what is taking place. You see, you can't see as the leader. He isn't threatened by these elders prophesying, even if it is in the camp away from the main group. This is a mighty blessing for individual and for the whole nation. Moses desires for everyone to have this experience and empowerment. Church, sunshine, we must not get concerned about what is happening in other places, in other churches. We must celebrate with them. We must praise the Lord for what he is doing. How blessed are we to know that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is now available to all believers. We just need to open to receive and seek this blessing for service. And that is so true. All of us 
you don't need to be worried about what Brother Campbell is doing or what so-and-so is doing. All you need to do is be open to receive and seek the blessing for service. Now, here the reward they got of receiving the Holy Ghost because they were obedient. Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And I needed to pay attention to this. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begun to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, note here that they were in one place, in one accord. Again, we say that the Holy Ghost don't have to come when everybody is in the room. But in this particular time, this day of Pentecost, it was for a reason they were in one place, in one accord, um, not disputing, no misunderstanding, no grumbling, but they were all with one accord in one place. It's very important that when we meet together, that we stay together, that we be on one accord, that we speak the same thing. Amen? That we glorify God together. It's very important. When, they, when this happened, there came a sound from heaven. When they met the condition, things happen. And when we meet the condition, things will happen. The Holy Ghost will descend. Oh, yes. And it filled the house. It came quick. came suddenly. As a sound from heaven, they heard like a mighty rushing wind. And all the house was filled where they were sitting. Do we understand why sometimes the service is not going the way that it should go? Because we are not of the same mind. We are not of one accord. Um, sometimes people come to church and their mind is distant. They are far away from what? Not concentrating on what we have to do. I said a few months ago that when we come to church and it's singing time, we must all sing together. We must all clap our hands together. We must all preach together. Sometimes the preachers up there preaching and it's him alone. No, 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 no. We must all back him up and things will happen. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other towns as the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wouldn't you like to see this? Yes, so stop your disputing. Stop your misunderstanding. Stop your grumbling. And let's, let's speak. Let's be of one accord. Let's be of one mind. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes there is a tendency to emphasize the phenomena described in verse 23. It is hard to imagine what it would be like to be in that room, more than likely rather crowded and seen and heard what took place. But for today's lesson, let's focus on the people. Just spiritual ascension to Jesus' ascension. Jesus directed followers to go to Jerusalem and 
um, ascension mean he went back. He descended. He, come, he came down. Ascension mean he went back. Jesus directed his followers to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. As Pastor O said earlier, he had um, taught them. And now he prayed for them and he directed them. Oh, well, I have to go back. I can't stay with you. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to pray the Father that he will send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He will testify of me. So they, his followers go, went to Jerusalem to wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke, according to Luke 24, verse 49 and Acts 1, 45. There is a definite place for this to take place, but no specific timetable other than a few days. Obedient to his word. Of them gather in Jerusalem. So, they must be obedient to what the word says. They must be one accord. They must have the same mind. And they must wait. Obedient to his word. Instead of scattering throughout this city, they wait as a unified body. Sunshine, this is very important. They wait as a unified body, not somebody criticizing how a pastor do, how a minister Davidson do, how a Deacon Campbell do, how a pastor overdo, how a sister Diana do, how this one I do. No, they waited as a unified body. They were of the same mind. And, and let, I can over-describe that. I can't repeat that enough. We must be unified when we gather together. We must be unified. And Acts 1, 12 to 26 describes some of their activities. Foremost is their continued emphasis and commitment to prayer. Amen. We can't even get people to pray now. We ask for prayer and we say we're going to pray at such so a time. And I understand some people are at work sometimes, but I... I've been there where I was at work and I took a bathroom break just to be a part of the prayer. We can, we can, we can do something, man. We can find some things to do. All right? But their commitment to prayer. They also did some business. It was not that they were just praying, but they were also asking the Lord um, because Judas was gone. Judas has hanged himself, sold Jesus and hanged himself, and the position needs to be filled to bring it back to 12. There's no end of their spending time in aimless waiting or casual waiting. They aren't complaining about how much long it will take, how much longer it will take. They did not get weary or anxious. They waited and they did business. They didn't just sit down and just close their eyes. No. They were still doing business. They were filling the position of, of a Judas. Of Judas. In um, verse chapter two, verse one to four, the Holy Spirit comes upon this gathering with audible individual phenomena. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak language. They had never learned but could be understood by the various nationalities gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. What a God. What a God. God made sure that they could understand. And Peter, Peter told them, 
which I'm pretty sure we will dwell on a little bit later, that these men are not supposed, but they spoke in other language, and it could be understood by various nationalities gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. So here, Peter addressed the gathering, or the onlookers. Um, this is called the fulfillment of the scripture, the fulfillment of the promise in Acts 2, verse 16 to 17. Peter said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. Let's see if we can break this down a little. The events within the location where the believers were waiting for the promise apparently spilled out into the street. When things happen at church, it will spill over, man. When I remember when we pastored the Mapen Church and the Cypress Hall Church, that um, Cypress Hall, it was on a little hill, and the community was around the church. And when we started to sing, people would hear and they would not only open up their doors and their windows, but some would run to church to see what was happening. In Maypen, we opened up the windows and people around heard. Some came and they stood at the window. Some came inside. Things happened. There must be a spilling over. And um, although we are using the the recreation center. There are people around. Something must happen. I know the rules and the laws are a little bit different, but you, you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box at all. You can't contain him at all. There will be a spilling over. Remember at, at Maxwell Avenue as well, sometime after 12, when we closed the, the doors and the windows and we were praying and the Holy Ghost started to fall after 12 o'clock. Sister Blackwood on the Sister Blackwood and something would happen and some people would wake up out of their bed and run into the church to see we were not mad we were just worshipping God so it quickly became evidence to people in the area that something was occurring they respond with amazement since they know these Galileans could not possibly be fluent in all the languages of their native area Beside the amazements of the multitude witnessing this mighty outpouring, they also are perplexed. What is this? What is the significance or meaning? In response to the people's questioning, the twelve addressed the group, beginning at verse 14. Peter is the primary spokesperson. Quickly pointing to the scriptures, he announces they are witnessing the initial fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel 2:28 to 29. Though given centuries earlier, they now are privileged to witness it taking place as we are. We are privileged to see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we were remarking myself and Pastor O, the last celebration we had at the Recreation Center on that, I think it was Sunday night, when the Holy Ghost laid everybody and we sang and we, we rejoiced and we speak in new towns or other towns and we 
clap and we just had a great time in the Lord. Lord, bring back those happy days are my prayer. So, they quickly point to the script. He announces that they are witnessing the initial fulfillment of the prophecy. Through the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, all can experience his ministry through them in what was previously limited to a selected few. Neither gender nor age or qualification are needed for this blessing. All who repent and commit their life to Jesus Christ can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. doesn't matter about gender or age or qualification. All can receive this blessing. It is all who are called by the name of the Lord. doesn't matter who you are. All who repent. And notice it's not given to the sinners. Is all who repent and commit their life to Jesus Christ can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, I say, the Holy Spirit is not given to you just to speak in tongues, but no, it's to do service for the Lord. John A. Sim said, the Holy Spirit is the eternal spirit. He is the power of the present and the future. Amen to that as well as the past. He is the power of the present, the future, and the past. There is no need to escape to an idyllic past, nor live in fear or dread of an uncertain postmodern future. A sovereign God has fully equipped spiritual Christians to meet the demands and challenges of these times, and he holds the future in is and amen to that amen to that let me ask you have you received the holy ghost is he working in you is he equipping you are you doing service for the master are you just satisfied that yes i have him and that's all i need to do is sit down on my laurels and do nothing no 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 my friend it propels you to do service for the lord what a time. What a time. All right. Spiritual living, a fellowship community. Pastor. Amen. Thank you for laying that groundwork, senior pastor. There, again, is so much in this lesson in particular. And uh, as we look at spirit-filled living, um, one could argue that the fundamental reason for the issues in our society today is that we have a spirit problem. Uh, let me say that again. One could argue that the fundamental reason for the issues in our society today is that we have a spirit problem. Amen. That's why David asked of God to renew a right spirit within him. So the question I'm going to pose to you as I'm going through this particular section is, what type of spirit do you possess? When the apostles were in the upper room, Luke's account says that they were all with one accord because they were walking in obedience and unity. That which was promised happened. They aligned their spirit with the word of word and the Holy Ghost came. Then some 3,000 souls were added to the church. 
After that, we find in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Another rendering of verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This was a great time for the church. They became a community of believers, bound together by what they were experiencing. But recognize what Luke listed first, doctrine. That's what he listed, doctrine or teaching or the word. It was the word, Jesus, that dwelt with them in the flesh. Now, being gone, he left the Spirit to dwell, not only with them, but in them. This is a distinction we must pay attention to. This shows us that it is equally important to be fed spiritually as it is to be fed physically. We must be well physically in order to carry out the tasks of the spirit. So they go, in, go hand in hand, uh, physical health and spiritual health. Uh, remember, there is no structured government other than the informal leadership of the 12. They have no church buildings, but they do have a bond of community. And I was thinking about this. They didn't have worship teams they didn't have uh, ministries or or you know departments um, they didn't have a, a band so to speak you know they didn't have music the way we have music now they didn't have buildings the way we have buildings now this was a community this was communal fellowship they were getting together the early church's fellowship is seen in their praying and eating together that's where their strength came from yes there may have been times when maybe somebody breaks out in a, a hymn or a spiritual song um, it doesn't say but I'm pretty sure that was part of the fellowship somebody you know praying and somebody teaching and somebody singing but they weren't dependent on these you know individuals or these these things as they worked independently. They were working together. And that's something that I think uh, sometimes the church now misses. Um, they, weren't, they weren't looking at, you know, the music per se um, because they didn't have that. They didn't have an electric guitar or a, a bass uh, or a drum set or, you know, an organ or a piano. They didn't have you know, a, a, a 10 person uh, worship team. They didn't have a choir. You know, all these things evolved over the years, but initially all they had 
were each other and they depended on each other for spiritual uh, edification. Um, they depended on the Holy Spirit for their spiritual sustenance. Um, and that's, I believe, what we are called to do today. The fellowship, this fellowship community then experiences marvelous spiritual results. Amen. Because they were together, almost like in the upper room, they were all in one accord. Because of their togetherness, because of their fellowship, right, they experience marvelous spiritual results. Now, note the positive response of those observing this body of believers. Christ-like living, coupled with the joy of the Lord, impacts those with whom we come in contact with. Uh, Christ-like living is infectious. When we are in a faith community, we must ensure that nothing breaks our bonds. Because I'm telling you, the enemy is going to try his hardest to break us apart to tear us apart. For the moment that bond is broken, chaos ensues, causing isms and schisms, and bears false witness to the world. Because the world now looks at the church and says, huh, that's exactly why, or huh, that's why I don't. Or, and you hear it over and over and over again from the lips of unbelievers, right? So when we, are, uh, when we are being torn apart by the enemy, when we allow him to do so, then we bear false witness to the world. Not only were they a fellowship community, but they were also a worshiping community. Amen. So not only did they fellowship, but they worshiped together. Uh, how powerful that must have been. Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 21, uh, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always, underline that word always, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves, look at this, one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Uh, spiritual living must include the dimension of worship. The Apostle Paul points to those individuals who submit to the gratification of wine. They recklessly pursue the taste and short-lived excitement of heavy indulgence with significant negative results. In marked contrast to such a behavior, believers are encouraged to allow the continuance of the Holy Spirit's guiding and fulfilling of their lives. We are to open ourselves daily 
to the divine impact of the Spirit. Speaking to one another through godly songs should be an ongoing part of the Spirit-filled life whenever and wherever believers are in the company of each other. Uh, that song says, I, get, I love that thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. And I believe that our churches should get back to that state where we are happy to go to church. Some people are not happy to go to church. Uh, they consider it maybe a chore, something that we just do. But we should get to a place where we are happy to see each other, happy to go to church, happy to fellowship, happy to worship, because a, worship com a worshiping community is to be a thankful group of believers. Now, I was actually drawn to this distinction of a worship community while studying for this lesson, for in it, I am not alone, and I should never feel lonely. And I submit to you that that's why some people find it hard to come into a church community, because even when they come into a church community, they are not accepted. And when I say that word, accepted, I mean they have things imposed on them because you look like this, because you live like this. Uh, you are not welcomed in this, quote-unquote, elite group of believers. You know, we go to church on Sunday, and we just, it's just us. We don't reach out into the community. We don't go into the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature. Uh, a community is designed for growth. And as we grow, we become stronger, and our contribution to the community becomes greater. A community is where girls become women and boys become men. Then boy, then boy meets girl, marries, and then begins a family, and then the cycle continues. This is the blueprint Jesus left us. In fact, it was the blueprint from creation. We must build church communities that reflect the fellowship of the Father with the Son and the Son with the Bride, the church. Let's continue. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 25. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25 continues. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now remember, we're talking about Spirit-filled living. And so you may ask, so, okay, what does this have to do with spirit-filled living. Well, everything. In verses 22 through 23, we see the spiritual fruit is singular, not plural, meaning all the nine virtues listed here are part of a single whole. The implication is that no one can claim to be evidencing the fruit of the spirit without working to cultivate each of the individual virtues. Let's look at them individually. 
even though they are part of the whole. The first, love. This is the distinctive mark of the Christian. It is an act of the will of it is an act of the will God accomplishes through us. Second, joy. A cheerful gladness that flows from our salvation, regardless of our circumstances. I am joyful, regardless of what's going on in my life. Peace, the third, the reconciliation with God that enables us to be free from tension, even when in conflict situations, right? That's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I am free from tension, even when in conflict situations. Long-suffering, meaning patience, right? Being forbearing and non-retaliatory, even when individuals deliberately attempt to provoke us. Haven't you been in that position, uh, maybe at work or even at church, where somebody just constantly provokes you, or at least deliberately attempts to provoke you, right? But you have a spirit of patience. <laughs> then we talk about gentleness which is kindness and politeness that treats others with utmost respect. These are the things that we should reflect in the world, right? These are virtues that we should demonstrate, right? Then you have goodness, inner character development, uh, expressed by moral and ethical values. Oh, Lord, we need goodness in the world. Then we have faith, faithfulness seen in loyalty and trustworthiness. Meekness, meaning gentleness, is submissiveness and humility before God and others. And finally, which this is a major one, I would say, for the entire church, temperance or self-control. And this is self-mastery, enabling one to control his or her thoughts and actions. And I pray that each individual virtue as a whole, uh, there be an embodiment in the life of every believer. Because here we see how the Holy Spirit longs to work in our lives as individuals and as a corporate body of believers. Our claim of the Spirit's fullness in our lives must be reflected in words and actions. Everything we do, everything we say must re reflect the Spirit working through us, working in our lives, which leads us then to a Spirit-filled unity and a Spirit-filled service. Sina, Pastor, over to you. Amen. And the reason for that, Pastor O, is that um, the claim of the Spiritfulness in our lives must be reflected in words and action is because the Holy Spirit convicts if we're doing something wrong there's always that still small voice telling us no and um, what 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 a segment there that is something that we need to teach another time the fruit of the Spirit because it's very important that every believer Every believer, every child of God possess the fruit. And notice it doesn't say fruits. They said it's like an, um, a tangerine. 
it has various pegs. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We need to we need to possess all of that. And the Holy Spirit, as I told you, don't just was given for us to speak in tongues. It brings a fellowship community. And we're not just talking about one particular local church, but we are talking about the company of believers. All those who are saved wherever you're from, whether you're Baptist, Anglican, Church of God, Sunshine, whatever it is, we all embody the Church of God. And we're talking about a fellowship community, the community in which the believers live, we must have fellowship. And we find that people don't talk to each other and so on. Um, when the Spirit is given, it was, it was to make sure that we have fellowship one with another. So we are fellowship community. We are worshiping community where we worship God. That's the only purpose of us gathering together is not to discuss other people's business. Anytime you find yourself having groups where you're discussing and talking about people, then something should convince you that, no, 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 you're not on the right path. Or reason, and it doesn't mean that we doesn't say, but what can we do to help so-and-so? We're not talking about that. But anytime we come together and we are not worshiping God, then something is wrong. Then we become a fruitful community. So let me recap. Fellowship community, worshiping community, a fruitful community. We spread the fruit, and Pastor Ho just went through them a while ago. We are joyful. We are happy. We are meek. And then we become a spiritual unity. We are filled with spirit, and we are spirit-filled unity and service. In other words, if we display our unity and generosity. Oh, boy. So what, what was happening here in Acts 4, verse 31 to 35? Pentecost was over, but the fire, the anointing was still there. So they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship. And Acts 4, verse 31 says to 35, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. That is not at the Pentecostal place now. This is after that, after that um, they had seen all of that and experienced all of that, and they came back together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believe were at one heart and one soul. Here we go again with the unity. One heart, one soul. That's like a wife and husband. Unless you are united together, you're going to have problems. Amen? If two different people have always said the wife and husband coming from different upbringing, different training, perhaps if even different beliefs to come together to be one. And when the minister said, I now pronounce you husband and wife, it simply means you become one. You might not think the same way, 
But um, when I say something, you understand it. When you say something, I understand. I understand your beliefs. I understand your disappointment. I understand your feelings. Amen? And it's the same thing should happen in the church. The multitude of them that believe were of one heart and one soul. Oh boy, I long for that. I long for that. When the church moves together, when the church is of one mind and one heart and one soul, when we do everything together, that they may walk by the same rule and say the same things. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And again, I needed to pay some attention to that. Because when the Holy Ghost came, when they were of one heart and one soul, they did not think about what they have, that they own it personally. But no, no, no. They shared. They had together. They walked together. They believed together. So after the disciples had prayed and glorified God, they presented to him a single and a simple petition. They did not ask for deliverance from the threatening of the Sanhedrin or for protection from violence. They knew he would do, do this if it were his will for them. Their one petition was that he grant them boldness to preach his word. So the prayer was followed by a tremendous spiritual outpouring upon them. The place where they were gathered was shaken. And we, we have many instances of that. And the disciples were filled anew with the Holy Spirit. This does, this does not indicate that there had been any diminution of the Spirit in their lives since the day of Pentecost. There was nothing lacking in spiritual fullness. But this powerful repetition of the infilling further emboldened the disciples to speak his word in the face of danger. Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray. The Christians sold their houses and land, pooled their resources, and lived together in unity because they were fully united in faith, purpose, and service. The common sharing of material goods were both desirable and spontaneous. No member of the church desired to have more than any other. They did not have a competition. They did not compete to see who could own the biggest house. No, no, no. But they made sure that everybody was comfortable. Everybody was taken care of. You see how far we have strayed from what the Lord wants us to be? You see how far we have gone? Oh, it's my house. It's my car. It's my this and my that. And um, as I said last week, they are just borrowed. They are not ours at all. The Lord allow us to use them. Despite the danger they face, the disciples of Christ enjoyed the glorious spirit of power and growth. The unity of the church. The unity of the church was not a pretense for the people worship, work, believed, and shared together. Growth and grace were the consequences of the uni of this unity and fellowship. Hey, they worship, they work. They believed and shared together. I wish we could bring that to sunshine. I wish we could bring that to sunshine. The emphasis of their ministry was the resurrection of Jesus. This was the great hope and confidence of the church then, and it still 
today when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were, assembled together. I pray that we will experience that when we are gathered together again. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they speak the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Yea, we must pray. When we pray, something must happen. Um, Paul says, effectual fervent prayer for righteous man. Ah, uh, they let much. Oh, I wish that we learned something from this lesson today. I wish we, if we are not filled with the Spirit, that we will try to do so and try to be a fellowshipping community, a worshiping community, and a fruitful church, and we will have unity, and it will bring about generosity. May the Lord bless you today, Pastor Ho, is going to take us to the rest of the lesson, and I hope that you will pray today that you will feel what we feel, that you will be able to experience what they experienced back then in the early church. Amen. And uh, we shift to able ministers. And there's a distinction here that is not made. He didn't say to certain people that are ministers. Um, Paul here in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 through 6, talks about... um, you know, that not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Listen to this. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit? For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. In verses 1 through 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said he did not need letters of recommendation to prove the legitimacy of his ministry. Here in the United States, in certain states, you have to have um, a, a license or you have to be approved by the state to even carry out you know, any kind of ordination services or, uh, you know, um, marry people or or anything to that effect. Um, Here, Paul is saying, no, I I don't need letters of recommendation to prove the legitimacy of my ministry because our ministry does not come from the world. Our ministry comes comes by way of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that equips us. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that woos us. And he's the one uh, that gifts us with that which he wants us to do. Um, When we as Christians realize our ability to minister to others comes from Christ and we are willing to glorify Christ for what he accomplishes through us, we will find success in our service. Notice, success in our service. This is now going to the individual person. Uh, What are you doing for God? What are you doing for Christ? Um, When he has called you, have you been carrying out your responsibilities for him in service. Remember we talked about, you know, spirit-filled unity. Now we're talking about spirit-filled service. We as members of the Church of Christ 
have been entrusted with the gospel. It is written on our hearts, transforming us into messengers of the good news who can eternally influence other people through the competence Christ gives us. Spiritual service is very important in the church today. It is. Um, the unity of the church, as our senior pastor said earlier, was not a pretense for the people worshipped, worked, believed, and shared together. Again, the church, the early church, right? There was no pretense there, meaning that it was not an act. The people worshipped together. They worked together, they believed together, and they shared together. Oh, God, take us back to a place where we have spirit-filled unity and spirit-filled service. We need the baptism in the spirit today just as much as they, the first Christians, needed it. The world is just as hostile against the cause of Christ today and we are just as weak when we attempt to serve him in our own power. And I submit to you, I think that's where we are. The problem is that in the church, we are serving him or attempting to serve God in our own power. But we don't have the necessary power, strength, wisdom, knowledge, or even the understanding in order to do so. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is for you today. God wants to accomplish in your life and in my life what he has been promising his people for generations. There is no reason why you should have to wait any longer. The promise is for you, Horace S. Ward says. And as Pastor Samuel Chadwick said in, in closing, I want to remind us of this. I sent this out Friday, and hopefully you are able to read it. But he said, that which happened at Pentecost is the biggest thing that ever happened. And now the biggest question of all is, has it happened to you? And has it happened to me? Have you received? the Holy Ghost. I pray that you will be able by the end of this session or even by the end of the day to answer that question. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Senior Pastor, if you can, close us out in prayer. Let's pray, everybody. Father, we just bless your name. We glorify you. Thank you for this lesson that we have today. The Holy Spirit being outpoured. Not only in the Old Testament days, but it was a prelude of that which they would receive at Pentecost and stir them for service. They recognize their responsibility. And we pray today, Lord, that we must bring again the sacredness of worship into the house. 
Oh, God, that we will recognize you. As Peter said, these men are not drunk. But this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. I will pour out the Spirit. Sometimes there is so much misunderstanding, disputing, grumbling. But help us, Lord, that we will draw near to you. And we are told if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. I pray, God, that we will see the evidence of the Spirit and we will become a fellowshipping community, a worshipping community, and a fruitful community. We pray that the fruit of the Spirit will be in, in evidence as we worship you. Pray for everyone today, those who have the Holy Ghost and need to stir up that gift. Oh God, those who are not doing service for you, and we pray for those who have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that as they pray and as they seek you, that there will be a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't know when you will permit us to be together again in the form that we used to meet. But we pray that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will shake the place. We pray that we will see people prophesying. We pray that we will hear your ministers speaking the word of God with boldness. Oh God, and we will all believe with one heart and of one soul. And um, we will share everything that belongs to us with one another. Hear us today. Hear us today. Bless us today. And I pray that your spirit will fill our hearts today. Wherever we are, whatever situation we face, whatever circumstances we have, somebody is crying out to you today. We pray that you will have mercy. We pray for those who are traveling back to Texas, that you will have mercy upon them today, that you will bless them today, that they will have a safe voyage. Lord, we bless your name today and we honor you for this blessed day, this Pentecostal Sunday. And we pray that others will feel what we feel. Others will enjoy what we enjoy. And we will stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the unsaved today that they will surrender their soul to you. Pray for the sick that they will be healed. Pray for those who are in prison bar that you will have mercy upon them. We thank thee today and we praise thee today for the reminder. And I pray that as we hear, we will do that which is acts of us in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. We say amen and amen. <laughs>